Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. So we've been talking about leadership and uh, our current political systems and how our systems for appointing political leaders are really quite out of date. You know, not just last paradigm out of date, but previous paradigms out of date, you know, before that. And we wonder why we have so many problems. And and one of the reasons, uh, most likely, why we've been stuck with these very old systems is that for the scientific industrial mind they're quite easy to manipulate uh, and and so um, this is you know one of the one of the things about value systems it's it's easy relatively easy for a value system to manipulate less complex value systems and and so for the scientific industrial era and and the mindset associated with that um, it's it's a very strategic mindset and it's also individually oriented so it tends to be self-serving and it will and it has done what it can to uh, cement its uh, its power within the political sphere and and part of that of course has been just keeping these older systems in place so that they can manipulate them and they manipulate them you know by redrawing electoral boundaries <laughs> And uh, and through uh, advertising, through <coughs> social media manipulation, yes. those sorts of things, yes. and and that value system being what it is, this fifth modern scientific industrial value system, it has over time slowly reinforced its position so that it's now very very difficult for the general public to have any comeback you know any influence on day-to-day political decisions and consequently it can get away with murder and it literally it does Uh, and uh, and i'm sure you know everybody listening to this in in western countries with similar uh, political systems can can get this is that the politicians can make the most ridiculous decisions, which most likely the majority of people don't believe, you know, in, don't support, and and we just have no way of uh, of having any influence over those decisions until election time, you know, which is once every what three or four years or something in most countries. So it's a very very difficult situation to be in, and it's just one of the the evolutionary tensions, which is most likely going to drive significant change in the not too distant future. And I guess as you're speaking to the whole science in inverted commas of polling and uh, demographic uh, understanding and research, which which is what they base, of course, the redrawing of electoral boundaries, the gerrymandering of electoral boundaries on yep. the changing demographics and how they can identify this demographic as being voters for us and that that demographic not so we'll slip them into the next electorate and so on and so on yeah so that's that's a, a kind of interesting analysis from that from that uh, that layer that is dominant at the moment of 
the earlier layers of identifying people and how they do think and where their value systems lie and then playing to marketing to those layers. That's interesting in itself because I guess that's the first time that's been done arguably in the in the layer system via Graves's um, well, yeah, you look, it's, configuration. It's, technically, it's very unlikely to be recognition of value systems uh, as as defined by Claire Graves' mm. work because that recognition only really comes with second tier, but it's it's a more surface-level recognition of supporters, right? Yeah. Okay, these people vote for us because I can see that because they voted for us in the last election, therefore, you know, uh, we draw, redraw our boundaries to include them. Yes, those sorts of things. So, so it's more superficial. It's not a mm. deep analysis of value mm. systems. No, no, of course that, not. That only comes but from it's certainly, certainly been used in that way to manipulate, as you're saying, to manipulate for personal gain or the gain of the power structures as they as they exist. Yeah, of course. So, mm. so in terms of uh, evolving our systems, um, what we're seeing already in countries like New Zealand, for example. Mm is uh, gravitation towards leaders who are capable of, of expressing more complex and more capable values like the sixth layer which is very humanistic yes. so why uh, the current prime minister of um, new zealand jacinda yeah jacinda um, Ardern. you know is, is clearly uh, a more compassionate mm. uh, and more humanistic oriented leader mm. and uh, is starting to patch up some of the you know the damage created by the older systems mm. in terms of um, the human impact in particular and that whole exploration of, of feelings and and even as a leader of a country being willing to expose your feelings your vulnerability to some degree is is quite a, is quite a new thing and certainly of this emerging layer isn't it it is but although i do remember bob hawk crying i think uh, when we won the america's I remember. race <laughs> it was it was a much a much better picture of bob hawk drinking his beer and crying with the america's cup than that recent photo of scott morrison with his very tight pants with his legs sort of apart and a can of beer in his hand that's right uh yeah, yeah different kind of different thing altogether that that those two photographs you could argue are really how things have changed in 35 years in terms of leadership yeah be a be a larrikin drink your beer and cry yeah, good yeah. stuff yeah. but actually still make some decent policy decisions yeah um, yeah so so one of the things about the emerging paradigm this the sixth layer which is very humanistic and it is absolutely going to address many of the things that have got out of balance uh, under the control of the previous value systems yeah. uh, one of the things about it is that it's really more focused on us changing ourselves in terms of changing our values changing our morals changing our attitudes and less concerned about changing the material world and so for that reason it's not going to solve what you might call our wicked problems it's certainly uh, rebalancing things after things getting very much out of balance uh, through the, the scientific industrial era um, however, uh, the, the patterns in Graves' research indicate that the emerging uh, sixth layer, while it will redress a number of these issues, it's not going to really uh, cut, the, you know, it's not going to make the difference uh, in terms of the, the massive intersecting challenges that we're facing at a global scale. And it's, it's the tension around that and the tension associated with the fact that the, even the emerging value set won't be able to solve those problems that are actually pushing us into the second tier mm. of uh, human consciousness. And it will only be the emergence of that seventh layer in, in uh, the second tier um, that brings 
real concrete material world solutions to some of these massive intersecting challenges mm. that we're facing. It's interesting though because as I said to you off air earlier this morning it's it's like tilling the soil isn't it? this this layer that's emerging particularly in an area such as the Byron Shire, the Northern Rivers of New South Wales and other places on, on the planet notwithstanding the many issues that we have here I'm not saying it's all good um, but we are moving towards reconfiguring and to look at r- local resilience for example and yes. uh, how do you grow uh, your own crops how do you save your own water how do you support each other these yep. social networking skills which are clearly absolutely essential before we can actually move forward it would seem so yeah, it's, it's like compost yeah. for or tilling the soil for the future a- absolutely it's a good yeah. description and and what it is doing and what it, it will continue to do over the next 10 15 years is free us up from reliance on the current national systems yeah so whereas we're very reliant in most places at the moment you know for the national uh, government's uh, you know organization and management of things like our energy generation networks mm. and those sorts of things we're gonna with this gravitation back to uh, local communities and building resilient local communities and developing our own resources in terms of energy generation food production those sorts of things we're freeing ourselves up so that's creating a, a an element of looseness in the system which then will be ripe for the emergence of second-tier consciousness yes. and the, what it is creating is, is uh, much more flexibility in the way that we respond to things and, the, and where we get our resources from yeah and uh, that then brings up the question of what sort of leadership does that uh, that foreshadow going into second tier? So maybe we'll come to that in the next part. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, you are on Bay FM. You are tuned to Future Sense at 10.18 here on 999, or if you are tuned anywhere else in the world via bayfm.org or listening to the podcast, which you can access if you haven't already at futuresense.it. You're tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald. Engage, emerge, activate, and spiral up. So for um, a wider piece here from um, one of our listeners saying, great chat, with drought and food shortages, we could all find ourselves reverting to lower survival systems. I'd love to believe we will transition but it is hard to see how the vast changes needed can happen rapidly enough given the leadership we have now. Pointed also you have to uh, a piece by Paul Daly who has written a beautiful piece on ecological grief and you've posted it to my Facebook page. I haven't had a chance, won't have a chance to look at it probably this morning before the show, but thank you very much for that. And yeah, it is about uh, how we do go forward with leadership now. Look, it's a good comment and societies do go backwards and I have personal experience uh, of that from my uh, military service in Somalia where I went to a country mm. and you know was based in a town that had no government no utilities operating uh, and I uh, was lawless uh, and, and basically the Wild West um, and this is a town that had a ruined coca-cola bottling factory oh, yeah. a ruined agricultural college and a ruined Fiat car factory so you know there's, there's your Mad Max scenario yeah. in real life right yes. there so it can happen mm. um, it uh, it certainly won't happen under our current leadership so I, I agree with what you say there mm. and and uh, this is why it's important to um, Talk, have these conversations and to take notice of how things are changing and to start actively working towards uh, and supporting those changes as they're emerging, yeah. uh, you know, so that we can move to a more uh, sound coping capacity uh, as, as a community and a society. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've just, uh, 
just finished writing the foreword for a book on Claire Graves's work, which is going to be published soon. It's called The Change Code, and uh, it's being has been written by a lady from Portland, Oregon, named Monica Bourgeau, who reached out to me and uh, asked me to review the book and write the foreword, uh, which I'm very grateful for, and, and I'll I will keep everybody posted on the publication of that book, and that I think it'll be out yeah, before the end of the year. Um, but in the foreword, I wrote. Uh, I, and quoted, I wrote about Claire Graves' um, data pointing to this second tier, uh, great momentous leap in consciousness and uh, the extraordinary coping capacity that comes with that and it's that that's going to save our butt re- really. is this sort of the missing piece, isn't it? It's very it hard to, yeah. uh, to approach, to explain, but it's a very important piece, yeah. just this, yeah. Yeah, and uh, let me read a, a, sh- a short excerpt from the foreword that I wrote for the book here. Back in 1974, Claire Graves published an article in the Futurist magazine titled Human Nature Prepares for a Momentous Leap. It introduced his model and described an unprecedented leap forward in human coping capacity exhibited by a small percentage of his research subjects. These few people displayed extraordinary capacities, placing them well ahead of their peers and mainstream society at the time. Mm-hmm. And Graves said of these sub- that these subjects, uh, and I'm quoting Graves here, solve problems not only more rapidly, but they also found more answers than all the others added together. Relative to the others, the rapidity with which these subjects could change their point of reference was almost unbelievable. So here were some people that he found in his research back in the, the 1950s and early 1960s who were, who were pathfinders of mm. second-tier consciousness, only a very small percentage, of course. Seven people or so out of uh, 1,065, that, that, that was uh, That was the eighth layer. Oh, okay. So there so were, there were more, more in uh, the seventh you. layer, which mm. is the first step into second tier, but I don't know the actual figures, mm. unfortunately. Mm. Some of Graves' uh, notes got destroyed in a fire. Uh, in, a, in a storage shed some years ago, so we lost some of his raw data, Curious. and I don't have access to those figures. Mm. But um, but these people were living examples of uh, you know, a future society. Basically, they were they were the pathfinders displaying what humanity will be capable of in the future. Yes, uh, and uh, and the numbers of of people operating from that, those second tier values you know would be higher now yep. than they were back in the fifties and sixties, of course. And part of as we said before, part of the preparation for um, these people to step up and show leadership and solve our problems is this movement away from centralised government control, uh, a movement back towards resilient communities where people have the freedom to solve their own challenges and they're not relying on government you know, for, for all of the things that we rely on, rely on government for at the moment. Uh, and the, the first step into second tier is uh, the, the kind of people that Claire Graves was just talking about uh, is the seventh layer of values. And some of the things that make them different and more capable are that, that for the first time they can see and appreciate all of the other value systems. There's, a, there's a, a direct sensing capacity there where they can sense that people are operating from different value sets. There's no rejection, so they accept yes. all those value sets. They're all valid. And then as leaders, they can cater to the different value systems mm. and the different motivations and needs. Yeah, because it's, it's about actually uh, being able to see those first-tier systems, both their successes and failures. So it's not about uh, making them wrong. It's actually about incorporating what, what has worked and noticing what doesn't work and yeah. you know, having a good dis- a discerning view of that. And I think as I think it was originally it was 
Ken Wilber who quoted the idea of transcend and include that was his phrase I think wasn't it yeah. that notion of yes we transcend to a, to a higher order system but we include those lower order systems where, where appropriate where valuable where they're useful where they can fit as part of a, of a comprehensive integrated solution yeah exactly and if you listen to the language being used by our current leaders they talk as if human nature is one single thing and, and there is one set of values one yeah understanding of what's good and bad for people yeah. uh, and so it's all like a single conversation whereas actually there are many many different value sets and and what's good for one person is not necessarily good for the next person uh, so this comes as a natural capacity and that mm. that in itself adds tremendous you know uh, increased coping capacity because you can meet people where they're at you can meet their needs and you're not f- trying to force the same uh, monochrome solutions on everybody which which we see far too much of today and counterintuitively you, you've said to me you've, you've already uh, alluded to it this morning about uh, your time in the military that the Australian military at least in some ways does at times and has at times exhibited uh, second tier thinking in the sense of uh, allocating uh, a job to someone whose skill set that fits that job, not their rank, not their yeah. position in the hierarchy, but actually this person should lead this uh, particular mission yeah. because, and this group should be in this mission because that's appropriate for this particular challenge that's that, there. That's true. And, you know, in the same way that we see a lot of our modern technology actually comes out of military development of technology, yeah. uh, the, the same thing applies to human values. And that's that's kind of counterintuitive, I know, uh, because of the business that the military does. But mm-hmm. uh, you've got to remember that it's tension that drives change. Mm-hmm. And, and so the people who are facing the most challenging problems are often the ones who develop to these uh, more capable value sets mm. first and and that's certainly the case when you're operating in a in a war where uh, you're you're operating in chaos and trying to solve extremely challenge challenging problems uh, and and for you know for well intended military forces you're trying to save lives and and uh, you yeah. know solve the, the problems that are causing the war um, and so some of the other characteristics of this seventh layer in second tier are they will do what works in terms of problem solving. So they'll do exactly what works for the people who are experiencing the problem, uh, catering to their value set, rather than acting compulsively out of you know behavior sets, which is what we see in the first tier of consciousness, where people will act relatively blindly without being able to see you know the the true nature of the problem and they'll act according to custom you know we've always done it this way this is the way that we solve this problem you know what's what's your problem um acting out of righteousness like believing that the you know i've got the right answers and you just better shut up and receive them um okay acting out of uh, (laughs) (laughs) acting out of you know profit profit seeking you know profit profit uh, motives Or, or acting, uh, you know, in order to conform to peer group pressure, those sorts of things. So all of the, all of those things drop away, drop away mm. because um, fear drops away mm. in the second tier as a as a major motivator. Uh, and and there's also, you know, there's this um, coming together of science and spirituality as well. So so some of the things that we currently appear to uh, sorry appeal to our religious systems and our spirituality for uh, like you know altruistic nature and those sorts of things 
start to just become everyday aspects of life. Yeah. You know, they're not things that are special to religious folks. They're yeah. just the way that you do things. You don't have to go to church for it or bow down to a, some sort of a priest or some other representative of the divine as you configure it. You can connect it as you do in your own particular way that yeah. works for you. Yeah, from, from a biological perspective, mm. this is coming from the, the integration of left and right brain Mm. Uh, operation in terms of solving problems and uh, another huge benefit is this opening to multi-dimensional reality and uh, and that's of course tied in with the merger of science and spirituality and and just uh, having uh, the capacity to directly sense things in in what's known as a transrational way so whereas in the uh, in the second half of the first tier we're very rationally minded and we've seen the extreme of that in the scientific industrial era where everything's about logic and every problem has to be solved through logic and and that leads to uh, inevitably a linear kind of a yeah. an approach and that doesn't work very well with non-linear systems like mm. complex adaptive systems like the climate for example exactly it's a, it's a good example uh, and so in second tier, we, we're, we open up to this trans-rational way of problem solving and probably the best way to, to think about it, uh, if you haven't actually experienced it, is kind of like a, a higher order intuition where the, you can just pull answers out of the, out of the quantum field basically mm. directly without having to go through any logical mm. thinking process. So, it, and with all of that, of course, that does describe a, mom, a momentous leap because that is a large leap for most people to take. It's a leap uh, perhaps of trust. Perhaps if trust isn't even a word that's uh, enough there, but to be able to uh, understand and to trust that intuition, that higher level intuition and to actually go with it is uh, is a skill that needs to needs to be worked with, doesn't it, to, to be practised? It, it like yeah, you have to learn how to do that. And yeah. in the transition between first and second tier, we go through this phase, which Wilbur calls the pre-trans fallacy phase, where we're trying to figure out what, what sensory input we're getting that actually represents this deeper intuition and trying to... Yes discern or, or differentiate that from fear-based yeah. you know feelings and those sorts of things so that really is a learning process that we have it's to go a through. very interesting learning process exactly yeah. right yeah but wait there's more okay <laughs> all of that plus you get <laughs> extraordinary capacity 999 for, that's right extraordinary capacity for pattern recognition yep. and yep. a set of steak knives <laughs> <laughs> but you won't need the steak knives you won't at that need time, those, no. so it's okay. Uh, um, yeah. So pattern recognition, mm. you know, and the capacity to learn a particular pattern and then uh, take that pattern and uh, see how it is relevant in a completely different context, which is yeah. something that most people have trouble doing. Yeah, to be able to adapt really quickly in that way. I exactly, and, and that, you know, is, is why uh, Graves said that these folks... Um, can very, very rapidly change their point of reference in, in with un almost unbelievable speed, he said, and that is because they can take that pattern recognition which they've, uh, you know, they've, they've recognised a pattern that works uh, to solve a certain type of problem in one context and they very quickly switch that to a completely different context where you wouldn't expect them to be thinking about that. Yeah. And they can do that. So, so this is, it's a quantum leap in human capacity and it's what we need to solve all of these wicked problems that we're facing. And the big question that arises for me and, uh, and arises in, in the literature around this, and I mentioned Don Beck before, the co-developer of Spiral Dynamics, and Graves, is, Graves also talked about this, and that is how do you 
actually um, inspire and address uh, collections, say a, a group of employees or if you're in government or so forth, or people on the ground, how do you find a way to speak to all of them who may be on different layers or different configurations of layers in their own development, their own value systems, in order to inspire the the appropriate uh, positioning of each person within the, the solution-based structure that you've come up with from this second tier? That seems to be the big issue. Yeah, that's certainly a big challenge, and and uh, the answer to the question is usually coming up with some sort of shared vision, or uh, mm. I think uh, Don Beck calls it a superordinate goal. Mm. So uh, a, a goal that fits over and above all the value sets, and then give everyone the freedom to uh, work towards that goal in their own way, mm. you know, and for their own reasons. Yes. And when you've got a mix of different value sets, people will have different motivations. Yeah. But if you can find a shared goal, something that's meaningful in some way to everybody mm. uh, and that everybody will subscribe to and then give them the freedom to work towards that in whatever way is appropriate for them. Sounds absolutely wonderful, but it does still sound very idealistic from the perspective that we are at right now. But that's kind of we've got to shake off that that structure, don't we? That the sort of clothing of these old ways of thinking, and and uh, at least attempt to encompass, broaden ourselves out to start to think this way. That it's not this is not bad and this is good, but this may be useful here, that may be useful there, and to pick and choose what actually works from from whatever um, dimension it comes from, so to speak. Yeah, and the, yeah, the best way we can do that is to remain curious and open-minded and uh, the, the adaptation of our value sets is a very very deep subconscious process mm. and that that will happen naturally the best way we can support that is simply to be open-minded and curious mm. yeah. a couple of other um texts we've got here for the last few minutes i know we've fires are sort of taking over this when we're talking about leadership into the future um, and one text is here, hi guys, if each layer solves existing problems but creates new ones, what problems does second tier create? That's a really good question mm. and the, the foundation of these uh, changes that happen from one layer to the next layer is uh, the focus that swings between individual and community. So if you can imagine like a big pendulum swinging one way towards community and then it reaches an extreme and people feel smothered by community and then the pendulum will start to, to swing back the other way towards individuality again. Yes. And so each one of the layers has a theme of either individual focus or a communal focus. And um, in also in the first tier, each layer has particular compulsive behaviors and also it's blind relatively blind to the fact that it's immersed in this structure of layers which are you know changing from one to the next and so it mm. tends to get carried away with what it's doing do it to an extreme until it creates so many problems that inevitably people say this is no good it's got to change in second tier it really is a different game because of the uh, consciousness which is aware of, of these patterns it understands the change process and it can sense more things so it's it's not likely to get sort of unconsciously caught up in behaviors that are going to create the sort of problems that we've created in first tier that's not going to happen but it still has this swing between individuality and, and community and and the first layer in the second tier is an individually oriented layer 
although it's it's a more communal version of individuality than than we've seen so far so and and if to put it in context with all of the compounding global challenges that we have it falls to this seventh layer the first step into second tier to actually address and start to solve these problems so i i often liken it using the analogy of like an accident scene you know it's it's like um the seventh layer is the first responder and it turns up and it sees this wreckage which has been created by first tier consciousness and it's got to act quickly to help things survive you know in service of not just humanity but all life on the planet okay we've messed this up we've messed the oceans up we've messed that up we've got to act quickly and resolve these issues and so it's going to have a very individually oriented problem solving focus and it will work quickly to resolve the most serious problems first, just in the same way that a first responder on an accident scene mm-hmm. does a triage and it mm-hmm. addresses the most serious things first, you know, so more people survive. And then once that first response has completed, then you need uh, structure and long-term care, you know, to, to get things back on track again. So uh, once the first responder's job is done, they cart the, the patients off to the hospital and then it, you've got this institution, a communal institution, the hospital, which provides the long-term care and, you know, ideally, um, and, uh, and sees uh, a sort of a sustainable solution put in place. And so that problem of switching from initial response, immediate problem solving to long-term structure and sustainability at a communal level is the dynamic that we'll see play out between the seventh and the eighth layer. The seventh layer doing the immediate problem solving uh, to to help things survive and then the eighth layer providing a longer-term sustainable structure which in practical terms will be some form of global coordination mm-hmm. so I, I I see that as being a form of global government but not government as we would define it now yes this, this is the problem is when we start thinking about global government there is a bunch of conspiracy theories understandably yeah. so because there are forces probably pushing towards that kind of one world government on one hand there are but that's not what we're talking about we're not talking about that no. it's more likely to be a government in the sense of like a global wisdom council which is made up of people selected for their their consciousness and their capacity to solve big challenges uh, and and then who you know who won't act like our current governments do and shove the solutions down people's throats um, they will act in a in a highly compassionate and understanding way and let each society address things in their own way mm. but um, from an understanding that it's really life conditions which are the drivers of human behavior so um, you know the, the idea of solving problems will fall back to understanding that okay if people have uh, adequate life conditions then they will thrive and they will grow you know in a healthy way yeah. and so that that wisdom wisdom council will be really about um, caretaking global life conditions you know and and moving resources around where they need to providing nurturing support where they need to and those sorts of things so very unlike our current governments but but at some sort of 
global coordination structure. And clearly it brings up the issue of science and technology moving forward, yeah. uh, which we're currently in, you know, the, the, the glow on one hand of the incredible technology that's been developed on the planet recently and the advantages of that, and on the other hand, uh, the dystopian uh, feeling that much of it also brings to many people and the, the, the questions about where we're going and how we're going with our technology. Do we need to go to Mars? You know, do we need 5G, etc., etc., etc.? But uh, it's important to note that technology is moving so fast that by the time we move into this eighth level, the technology and with the, with the consciousness and awareness hopefully that evolves in this period that we actually find a way to use technology, that we evolve technology, we use technology, we develop technology that supports all of this, this process of a, of, a, of a whole world, of a holistic um, organism of the planet. Yeah, it's important to remember too that it's not the technology that creates the problem, yes. it's the values of the person Perceive. who's using the technology yeah. that creates the kind of problems that, that, that people are worried about. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that is a thing. Uh, one of the challenges we have at the moment is that when new technology is developed, it, it inevitably comes becomes available to people from a variety of different value sets and people will use the technologies in different ways. You know? yeah. Like... like uh, whether it be for their own self-interest or for some altruistic, you know, communal interest, uh, we we get the whole set. And uh, I, I call this uh, this in the sort of small mm. dynamics world. This is called technology trickle down. Yes, where you know modern capable technology is developed at, at one layer of consciousness, and then it will trickle down to all the other layers. And so you've got to factor in that. Okay, how will this particular value set use that technology? And, and I expect in the future we'll we will need. Um, perhaps some way of um, organising that better so that technologies which potentially can create havoc don't fall into the hands of people who would create havoc for their own self-interest. Mm. Yeah. Very, very tricky, that area. It is, very yeah. tricky. Yeah. And we're in the process there. Thanks for your other texts. Uh, one text from our friend David who I've been dialoguing with regarding uh, the issues of masculine and feminine for quite a while and sharing some of that with Steve but not all of it. We will come to those topics in the future. You're asking me about a video, a Ken Wilber YouTube video that you sent. No, I haven't posted that yet and yes, we will, uh, we will be looking at these topics as we go forward like all of them. Um, and you say though, the feeling I get of leadership talk is boredom. A great show but the leadership model is just tiring to give much juice to and yet we must well that probably sums it up actually yeah yeah because yeah. <laughs> we are pretty tired of leadership it's a very frustrating that. time and largely because most people don't feel like they don't have any control over you know, what our leaders do at the moment and we're just having sh stuff uh, shoved down our throat same uh, david has also just written uh, yes the we care taking wise counsel awakes me from the boredom I feel to traditional leadership dynamics. Yes, yes, yes. So there you go. Cool. Wonderful. I'll have to leave it there. Thanks for joining us here on Future Sense. We'll be back next Monday morning. Uh, you know where to find us for our podcasts and everywhere else. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Nick. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.